Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. It is February 23rd, 2018. I am your host, as always, Thomas Bendit. I am the managing editor of the site and happy to be back after a brief hiatus. I apologize. My schedule has just been crazy. Um, I was hoping to get one of these up a week, uh, but, you know, things happen. <laughs> but we are back tonight and we have a lot to talk about. Um, this has been a crazy, crazy week for college hoops, for the Big Ten, for several key players. We have a Big Ten regular season champion, at least one of them already determined. We have teams vying for the tournament. Uh, so I'm just going to dive right in and I want to start with what is undeniably the biggest story of the day in sports, in college basketball, in the Big Ten. And that is the FBI probe that is continuing on um, along uh, college basketball, college basketball recruiting, so on and so forth. So to give a little background for those of you who you know, may not be familiar with this, um, you know, maybe you just don't know what's going on or, or you just like a refresher. Uh, let, let's start from there. So at some point, uh, the FBI becomes aware of what college basketball has sort of known as the dirty underbelly of the sport, uh, which is the role of the shoe companies in the recruitment of high-end prospects along with the role of agents in that process. Uh, the FBI becomes aware of this to some extent. Um, I Obviously, none of us know why they decided to start pursuing it now and not maybe 10 years ago, but nonetheless, they decided to pursue it. Uh, I believe it was last summer or late summer, early fall. Uh, they come out with several indictments. Um, they release several... Uh, well, I shouldn't say release. They file several documents that are in the indictments. Um, the language identifying players by some generic terms, um, along with schools that are very easy to figure out. Uh, and eventually, you know, Rick Patino goes down. Some assistants uh, are either fired or suspended, so on and so forth. Um, it's huge news. But the FBI indicates they are not done that that's just the start. Soon thereafter, there are some, some reports that they started targeting um, some of the Nike AAU organizations. Um, and I, I should take a step back. The first indictments are really all Adidas related. Um, and again, I, I don't want to say Adidas is involved, so on and so so forth. Uh, I don't know why I, I keep saying so on and so forth today. But I, I don't want to say, you know, this is Adidas or, or what have you, but those are the schools that are targeted in the initial indictments. But as I said, reports leak out soon thereafter. The original indictments are filed that indicate, hey, you know, this isn't going to end with Adidas. This isn't going to end with Under Armour. This is going to involve Nike. It's going to involve potentially some of the national powers. Now, that that was sort of last fall. Now, things had sort of died down. Uh, we knew they were investigating, but we didn't know how hard they were looking. We didn't know who they were looking at, what documents they had, who they had subpoenaed, who they had raided. We don't know really much from that point until two weeks ago when ESPN, a few others, they run some stories indicating, you know, 
hey, they think there have been some leaks and this is going to be huge. It's going to impact Hall of Fame coaches. It's going to impact like half the top 16 teams for the NCAA tournament. You know, this is going to be a scandal of epic proportion. Unfortunately, that report contains no names, it contains no players, it contains no schools referenced. It's it's just a general report that, hey, there's something coming down the pipe here and it's going to be really big. However, of course, we have no idea when that's coming. We don't know if it's going to be in a day, if it's going to be before the tournament, after, during, two years later. We just, we don't know. But Friday morning, Yahoo releases an article where... They have apparently reviewed several hundred pages that the FBI has uh, either subpoenaed or or gathered in some capacity. They have reviewed several hundred of these pages, and they released this list of players who are in, I I don't want to say implicated, but really implicated somehow. You know, sometimes it's a family member, sometimes it's themselves. It's a variety of circumstances. You know, every single one is different, but uh, I believe it was 25 names mentioned, 20 programs. The programs mentioned include Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, Texas, along with several Big Ten teams, which is obviously where our sort of uh, interest in this this case comes from and those schools are Maryland Michigan State and Penn State. Now the players that are specifically re- mentioned are number one Diamond Stone, former Terp uh, Miles Bridges who is a current Spartan and then DJ Newbill who is a former Penn State player. Um, those are the only Big Ten players that were referenced in this Yahoo report on Friday morning. Now, few things uh, to react to this. I, I think the first thing is, is if you look at these three players and what sort of conduct has been linked to them, or uh, I, I don't even want to say linked. Uh, these are just documents referencing, you know, their, their names are listed to some extent. Um, but Stone is, and again, I, it's hard to use terms like accused or <laughs> anything like that in this case because really this is uh, them reviewing documents which just mention their name. But Stone is linked to, you know, reportedly accepted $14,000 or roughly some amount in that uh, capacity um, from Again, this uh, an agent or, or someone like that, uh, there isn't a ton of detail around that. We just it essentially just describes him as taking fourteen thousand dollars in payments. DJ Newbill allegedly uh, takes this two thousand dollar loan, and then Miles Bridges, apparently his mother may have received uh, some sort of free dinner and then $400 from an ATM. Uh, so those are, that's the conduct that is linked to these players and or their families. Um, but yeah, so now that we got the the sort of the, the facts, quote unquote, established here, you know, what is referenced, where we've come from, what, what is going on, um, a few thoughts. The first one is, Clearly, this is the most significant for Michigan State right now. And I'm sure there are a lot of Spartans that hate to hear that because, you know, if you look at those three, I think 
the Bridges conduct, if it was proven to be true, would certainly be the least inflammatory. I mean, you're talking about a couple hundred bucks versus two grand and 14,000. And there are other players with more than that, but it's not that uh, outrageous on its face. However, in terms of the Big Ten schools, he's the only current player implicated in this report right now. So I think just by that nature, it's the most significant for the conference. Now, I'm not going to dive into the allegations or references, so on and so forth, um, for the other conferences. But in terms of the Big Ten conference, the Bridges stuff is the most significant. He's a all-American type talent. He's on a team ranked in the top five that is vying for a number one seed in March. You know, this there is a reasonable chance Michigan State wins the national championship this year. And that's not going out on a limb. I mean, do I think they're going to win it? Right now, probably not. But would it shock me in the slightest if they made the Final Four? No, not at all. So what that does is it leaves us with eligibility questions for the best player on arguably the best team in the Big Ten and arguably the best team in the country. Uh, again, I, I don't think Michigan State's the best team in the country, but, you know, it's not a crazy statement. That's huge. That is huge news for Michigan State going forward. That's huge news for Bridges. And frankly, it's hard to tell how this is going to resolve. I mean, Michigan State put out a statement today basically denying it, indicating, you know, we don't think anything has been done wrong. And there's no indication that they're going to sit bridges. And frankly, I didn't really expect them to. So what we have now is the issue of if this turns out to be validated, if he turns out that he committed an NCAA violation and they played him, that is a huge concern. Because if they make the Final Four, if they make the championship, and they already won the Big Ten regular season title, at least a share of it, are those going to be vacated? I don't know. I, we, we just don't know at this point. Now, there may be some people who are disgusted at the idea of a banner being vacated over a couple hundred dollars. But you know what? Those are the rules. The rules are the rules. Um, they may be harsh. We know the NCAA is incredibly inconsistent in how they dole out punishment. But on its face... It looks like if this is, you know, proven to be true, um, it it looks like it's going to have a serious impact on its eligibility. Again, this is still early. We're less than 24 hours away from or removed from when this report initially comes out. So we just don't know at this time, but it's huge. It's going to follow this team all the way through the season. So I would say that's my big takeaway right now. Now, Moving past that, we obviously have some major questions about what's going to happen with Stone and Newbill uh, going back. You know, are there potential NCAA ramifications for Maryland and Penn State? Potentially. Uh, the one thing I would note as far as Newbill goes is based on the documentation, you know, and specifically that loan for $2,000, my guess, and this is 100% speculation, you know, again, we don't even know if these alleged payments were ever made. We we just don't know that much right now besides what we have from Yahoo. But 
My speculation is that the payment referenced on this sheet is probably one that's given after he leaves Penn State and um, is waiting for a potential pro deal. That's my guess based on uh, the year and, and based on what it looks like. Again, though, I don't know. We don't know if this has ever happened at this point. I mean, uh, you know, if someone raided my office and, and grabbed my computer, I'm sure there are are random statements made in a Microsoft Word document somewhere or an Excel sheet uh, that may or may not be true. I don't know. Not to say I'm, you know, typing lies out on my computer or something all day, but you just, you don't know. Uh, this is really all we have to go on. You know, we don't have deposition testimony. We don't have any affidavits here. We just have these documents. But that would be my guess. But, you know, for Maryland and Penn State fans, this is big news. And obviously, you know, if if it turns out that Maryland paid Diamond Stone, you know, 14-ish thousand or someone on their behalf or a shoe company paid and they played an ineligible player, I mean, that clearly could have huge NCAA ramifications. We will have to see. It's It's really too early to tell. But so my big takeaways right now is, you know, we're going to have to wait and see with with more of this stuff but msu fans are unfortunately you're in a tough spot here going forward this is going to be a story that does not die and something that plagues your team moving forward for better or worse um my final thought as far as the ncaa fbi probe goes and this really isn't about a specific team or about a specific player but you know my my impression on this is that this is some sort of coordinated effort to leak news at specific times that someone in the FBI is sort of stringing people along to keep this going because the timing of this seems odd uh, especially with March just around the corner Um, and I, I think there's more that's back there you know I I frankly I don't think this is the end of it and, you know, these these payments, it wouldn't shock me at all if there's far bigger ones involving some bigger players. It wouldn't be something that surprises me. It wouldn't shock me if they have these going back years and years and years. I know some of these go back quite a while, but it just, it wouldn't shock me. I, I think this is a, like I said, this is some sort of coordinated effort on behalf of the FBI to keep this story relevant, to keep it building, to keep, you know, the raindrops going instead of uh, the faucet, you know, two days of coverage and then for it to dissipate. But so, yeah, I would say moral of the story is stay tuned, but this is huge, huge news and it could really have a lot of ramifications in East Lansing for quite some time. But putting that aside for a second, you know, the FBI probe and where that's going to go. There is still basketball going on. And the Big Ten season is now in its uh, final three days. I would note that I'm recording this on Friday evening prior to the Indiana-Ohio State game. So if you're listening to this after that, uh, I have not watched that game and I do not know the results. So keep that in mind. But I wanted to take a few seconds to talk about some of the big things I'm thinking about as we go into the final days of the Big Ten regular season schedule and the Big Ten Tournament. Uh, the first is obviously the the big thing that there is to watch over the next uh, couple of days is what happens with the Big Ten title. 
Michigan State has clinched a share, but there could potentially still be a three-way tie if the Spartans lose at Wisconsin on Sunday and both Ohio State and Purdue win their respective games this weekend. So the title is still on the line to an extent. You know, Michigan State already put up its banner and they, they already got that going, but you know, there could potentially be two other banners going up uh, in theory. But so what let, let's just talk about, you know, how likely is that to happen? What's the most likely outcome? I, I think to start out, we all know Michigan State is favored at Wisconsin. They are very likely going to win. Uh, it's going to take an upset for this even to be a potential scenario. So I, I would say it's unlikely. Uh, however, you know, Wisconsin upset Purdue a week or so ago. They've played some teams tough. You know, uh, when they played Michigan, they, they got down big, but they fought really well in the second half. You know, maybe if they can avoid the, the slow start against the Spartans, they could uh, really give them a run for their money. But the other the other two games, uh, you know, again, just accepting the fact that it's going to be pretty unlikely for Michigan State to lose at Wisconsin. But uh, putting that aside for one second, the other two games, Ohio State and Indiana, that's going to be a tough game. The Hoosiers have been coming on for quite a while. I know they lost to Nebraska on the road earlier this week, I believe. Uh, get some of my days mixed up here. But they've played really well. You know, they, they really have. They've been taking care of business. They've lost against the Big Ten's best. But other than that, you know, they've they've played really well. I, I think that's a tough game. We'll see what kind of crowd shows up on a Friday night against the Buckeyes. But I think that's a game Buckeye fans should be a little wary about, especially if the team is sort of looking ahead, you know, at the Big Ten tournament already. I absolutely think that's a potential upset, which, you know, that would obviously lock Ohio State out of, the Big Ten title. And then the last game, Purdue against Minnesota, that should be an easy one <laughs> for Purdue. I mean, the Gophers have been terrible for over a month straight now. Uh, Purdue should take care of business there, and I fully expect them to. So I do will say that if Michigan State does get upset this weekend, Purdue has a really solid shot to sneak in there and grab a share. Um, and then in that event, Purdue would be the second seed because they do not have tiebreaker against the Spartans. Um, additionally, if all three teams were to tie, Ohio State would be the one seed, uh, Michigan State would be the two, and Purdue would be the three. My projection, though, is I think Michigan State wins this weekend. I think Purdue wins. I'm sort of uh, mixed about the Ohio State game. But my anticipation is Michigan State will be the Big Ten outright champions. They will head into the Big Ten tournament as the one seed. And then it will be as to whether Ohio State gets upset this weekend as to who gets the two seed and who gets the three seed. Now, moving on from the the Big Ten title race, I think that's the big story of the weekend. But the other story is, you know, can any teams make a push for the NCAA tournament? Um, let, let's just talk about some reality here. Let's do some uh, some soul searching, so to speak, about the bubble talk. You're going to hear a lot from the, the bracketology guys. You're going to hear a lot from BTN. You're going to hear a lot from other fans and so on and so forth. Let me just break things down for you so it's simple and sweet. Right now, there are four Big Ten teams that are going to the tournament. They can lose out from here 
out. They can lose their last regular season game, and they can get upset in their first game in the Big Ten tournament, and they will make the NCAA tournament on Selection Sunday. The first is Michigan State. The second is Purdue. The third is Ohio State. And the fourth is Michigan. And my prediction is they would be seated like that um, on Selection Sunday or somewhere around there. Purdue and Michigan State's a little hard to check out. But uh, those four teams are in. There's no point in discussing anything. The only thing that matters is where are they going to be seated and can, can they win the Big Ten tournament? You know, what are the matchups? Um, that's it with those teams. Those are all, they're all going to hear their name called on Selection Sunday. Now, there are three other teams that I would, or excuse me, there are two other teams that I think are sort of in the conversation. They're still alive to an extent. I think they can get, and what I mean by that is, I think they can earn their way in without winning the Big Ten tournament. So maybe that's making the final and losing in the Big Ten tournament championship game on Sunday. Maybe that's the semifinals. I'm not sure at this point. It's all a moving target because every other bubble team is playing too. But I think there are two teams that are in that range right now. The first is Nebraska. The second is Penn State. Um, And I actually should flip those. I think Penn State is a lot closer to making it right now. And I'll discuss that in a little bit. But I think those two teams are in contention. Everyone else, I think, needs to win the Big Ten tournament to get in. The only team, uh, you know, and people might be a little surprised I say that about Maryland, but... I really don't think Maryland is all that close right now. The committee really values quality wins. Maryland does not have that many. They don't have many bad losses. You know, most of their losses are on the road, you know, against Michigan State, Michigan, Purdue, teams like that. But they just don't have those marquee quality wins like Penn State does, for instance. Um, And I think without that, they really aren't that close to actually making the cut. Uh, So I... At this point, I honestly think they're going to have to win the Big Ten tournament, barring something really weird happening on the bubble. Uh, But yeah, so I I think Maryland and everyone else needs to win the Big Ten tournament at this time. And, you know, clearly they want to win their games this weekend because they want some momentum and they want the uh, advantageous seeding in the Big Ten tournament. But frankly, I, I think the Big Ten is down to six teams, and I think uh, Penn State and Nebraska are really the only ones that have anything really hanging out there as far as uh, you know Selection Sunday uh, getting a berth type of uh, discussion. Now, I want to talk about Penn State and Nebraska. What do I think they need to do? What do I think is going to happen here over the coming days? So the first thing we have to talk about is the elephant in the room. They play each other this weekend. They play in Lincoln. Mike Watkins is out officially for Penn State. That's going to be a tough game for the Nittany Lions to win. Frankly, Nebraska has been excellent at home for a couple months now. Uh, They lost a couple close ones early in the season, but I think Nebraska is going to win this weekend. I think they will beat the Nittany Lions at home. I think Nebraska is going to enter the Big Ten tournament as the four seed. I think Penn State, um, I should know this, but I think they're the sixth seed in that scenario. I'm not entirely sure, but that's what I it is sounding familiar. They're going to be, I'll, I'll put it this way, they're going to be at the bottom side of that bracket, I believe, uh, with the two and the three seed, not with Michigan State. 
So the the next question is, okay, that's what I think is going to happen this weekend. Is that enough for Nebraska to get in? My short answer is absolutely not. No way. Uh, That loss to Illinois was a big hit uh, a week or so ago. Nebraska really needed to run the table to feel comfortable in the slightest because the one thing people need to remember is, you know, when we're discussing the concept of making the tournament without winning the Big Ten tournament, that means there's another loss coming. You know, if you don't win the Big Ten tournament, you have to lose in it. So inherently, they have to take a hit somewhere. Now, if they lose to Michigan State, uh, that's not going to be a huge hit on a neutral court, but it will be a hit uh, to the RPI. It'll make their record look worse, so on. You know, that, that's going to happen. So you have to add in that hit off the top if we're really going to talk about this realistically. My prediction is for Nebraska, I think they need to win this weekend, and I think they probably need to win twice in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, The first game in this scenario, they would play Michigan most likely. The Wolverines are projected to be the five seed should Nebraska win this weekend. Uh, Well, they're not projected. They would be the five seed should Nebraska win this weekend. And then Michigan would play, I believe, Uh, the winner of Iowa-Minnesota. Obviously, the Wolverines would be favored in that one. So Nebraska probably faces Michigan. You know, Michigan is a solid team. They're up to, I believe, 22 in the RPI. But I don't think that's enough to get Nebraska into the field comfortably. Now, again, we don't know. Maybe the bubble melts down in the next couple of days. Because remember, too, a lot of these bubble teams have another week of the regular season. The Big Ten is a is a week shorter this year because of uh, Delaney's desire to play in Madison Square Garden. But I think they need to win, too. And my reason being, because like I said, they have to take the hit of losing uh, in New York City, assuming they don't win, of course. And I don't think a win over Michigan on a neutral court would be that ground-shaking. So I think that would get them close But I really think with that added-in hit of a loss coming, they'd have to probably beat Michigan State to get in and to feel good about it. For Penn State, uh, I feel very similarly. I I think they're probably going to need at least two wins in um, New York City. And the one good thing for Penn State fans to remember is that bottom side of the bracket, I think you have a, a lot better shot at, you know, if they're the sixth seed, which again, I'm not entirely sure, so hopefully I'm I'm right here and not just analyzing uh, a fake scenario, but if they end up as the sixth seed, uh, I think they have a shot at, like, getting an okay win in the, in the first game. Um, well, actually, no. I take that back. I'm sorry. They would have to play probably uh, the winner of Rutgers, Illinois, I believe. So maybe not the best win. <laughs> but I they would get two potential real nice wins um, after that. So I, I think Penn State is going to be in a similar situation. I think they probably need three, though. They probably need to uh, win their first one, obviously. If you lose to Rutgers or Illinois, you're definitely not going. And then they probably have to beat... I believe Purdue who's probably going to be the three seed and then uh what would be maybe Ohio State or Indiana or someone like that depending on how those other games sort out but either way I I think 
when you sit back and look at this, that's a tall order for anyone. Uh, for a team to head into the Big Ten tournament probably needing two wins, including at least one, maybe two wins against high-end competition, that's a very, very tough hill to climb. So I, I think realistically the Big Ten's probably going to end up with four teams. But, you know, we've seen crazy things happen. Nobody would have picked Michigan to win the Big Ten tournament last year. And, hey, they did it. So maybe Nebraska can get hot. Maybe Penn State can get hot uh, and run the table in New York City. You just never know. But overall, that's that's sort of how I see the tournament picture shaking out. Now, the one thing I would note is I do think Maryland, Penn State, Nebraska are all in great shape for the NIT. I think they'll have a good shot there. We'll see um, if they do end up making the cut. You never know with the auto bid situation. Um, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, mid-majors, if they're a regular season champion, uh, does not win their conference championship. So, for instance, in the Horizon League, we'll take, if Oakland had won the uh, regular season championship, but they lost the conference tournament, so they didn't get the bid to the NCAAs, they would automatically go to the NIT. So it's hard to tell you know, how many of those teams are going to end up falling into the NIT. We just don't know. But uh, I do think all three of those teams have a decent shot at making the NIT, which would be good news for Penn State and Nebraska. Not such good news for Maryland, who probably had a little higher hopes entering this season. But overall, that's that's where I see the, the league sitting. Now, um, the last thing I, I did want to talk about briefly here before I, I cut things off on the podcast is where the league sits heading into the postseason. Now, I know we have a, a weekend ahead of us of play. I know we have the Big Ten tournament. So I don't want to necessarily get too carried away with this. But... One thing that I I think is really uh, crazy to think about, and this is something I was sort of just thinking about myself, is, you know, this is a down year for the Big Ten. I mean, there's no denying it. You know, we're heading into the Big Ten tournament with four teams solidly in the field and nobody else really in comfortable position at all. That's not good news for the league, and that, that just really doesn't bode well for the league overall um it's a down year there's really nobody who can sit back and tell you that this is a great year for the big 10 however those top teams are really good this year you know this is one of those situations i compare it a little bit to the sec in football so for those of you who watch college football as much as i do you know the sec was down in football this year it was not as good uh the bottom was really bad the SEC East outside of Georgia was absolute garbage. Uh, there were a lot of bad teams in that league. And and frankly, that was one of the big reasons Alabama almost missed the playoff was because, hey, you know, they lost the game, but they really didn't beat many good teams over the course of the season. But the two top teams who ended up playing in the title game were really, really good. Uh, Alabama was awesome and obviously obviously um uh excuse me georgia was excellent as well having won the uh the sec championship 
excuse me. <laughs> but those teams were phenomenal, and I, I think you know the fact that that game ended in such a dramatic fashion. I think speaks to the fact of how uh, talented the top of the SEC was in football last season. Now, moving on um, from that towards the Big Ten. I kind of see the Big Ten in a similar situation this year. I think the top four teams in the Big Ten are really, really good. And I think everybody else is eh, at best. (laughs) Uh, And I think there are a handful of teams that are really bad in the Big Ten this year, too. Now, maybe that's good. Maybe you don't like it. To me, I think the number one thing that I look for in in conference, you know, what fans should root for is more NCAA tournament appearances. I think making the tournament should be the number one goal of every team heading into the season. I think it keeps you relevant. I think it really leads to a lot of recruiting success. Um, I think missing the tournament is a real big hit. And I've talked about it before, but I just think it's it's really detrimental to your program when people are filling out their brackets and you're not in it. Uh, that's just that's just something I've always felt. But hey, you know, getting four teams in though, as good as what the Big Ten has at the top, though, is is really really solid. And and let's start with that. You know, Michigan State and Purdue are both definitely in the conversation. <coughs> excuse me for one or two seeds. It wouldn't shock me at all if. You know, one of them won the Big Ten tournament, ended up getting a one seed. Wouldn't shock me at all if the other one got a two seed. Both of those teams, I mean, just by the nature of that alone, could very well make the Final Four. They could very well go further than that. And frankly, both of those teams have a solid shot to win it all. Nobody's really going out on a limb making any of those statements. And then you move on from them. Ohio State and Michigan are both uh, top fish excuse me, top 15-ish teams in the national polls. They're both in the top 20 on Ken Palm. And if you look in some of the recent bracketologies, uh, both of them can get to the Elite Eight without really too much craziness happening, which, you know, that's not the Final Four, but I, I wouldn't be that shocked if either of them made it. Now, do I expect that? No, I don't. I mean... Frankly, neither of them are going to be a one or two seed. And if you're not, you're you're always going to have an uphill battle to make it. But, hey, nobody wants to play Michigan in March after last year. And Ohio State is a difficult team to match up against based on some of those uh, diverse players like Jay Sean Tate and Key Debates day up. Um, so, yeah, I, I just that was the last thought I wanted to sort of leave things with. Um, was the fact that, hey, you know, it, it's going to be disappointing when, you know, four, maybe five teams get their names called on Selection Sunday. But, hey, it, it's going to show up in the next couple of weeks. I, I really feel confident in this. And this is the first year in really since those Kaminsky teams that I truly believe you're going to have multiple teams from the Big Ten making the second weekend and maybe multiple teams make the third weekend. But So with that, I will leave it. Uh, my name's Thomas Bendit, manager of BT Powerhouse. Check me out on Twitter, at TBendit. Check BT Powerhouse out on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're on virtually all social media. Um, and with that, uh, have a great one, and we will check in next week either before or after the Big Ten tournament. So see you guys.